future world of the early 1980s in a faraway land called New Zealand. Two kids independently discovered an electric universe of light, colour and four-channel sound. This is Atari. This is Adam and Bob. This is Excelixi. Hello, good evening and welcome to XLXC, a podcast series about Atari 8-bit computers and other shenanigans. My name is Adam Simpson and I am in Wellington, New Zealand. And my name is Bob Brown and I'm in Dunedin, New Zealand. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing good. How about you? Yeah, I'm good. Should we should we do the bit about how we say how long it's been or should we just skip that? Nah, because it's been a bloody long time. And it always has been, every single time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's move on. Yes, yes. Uh, I quite like tonight how when we were kind of prepping for this, we had a bit of a Twitter backwards and forwards about the things that we've been doing. Yes, the prep things, eh? Yes. So I found myself halfway up a mountain. Well, I shouldn't call it a mountain. It's more a hill. I found myself halfway up a hill uh, on a mountain bike under the moonlight as a cold front was sweeping in. Ooh. And that was that was pretty good. How did you find yourself there? Or did you go there? Well, it was intentional. And then I kind of realized where I was and what the time was and thought, hmm, this is kind of neat to be so close to home. Like I could see the streetlights of home, I guess, um, probably about 10 k's away, maybe. 10 maybe k's? And um, yeah, no, maybe but not that, that far. 9 k's. <laughs> that is not close to home <laughs> on a bike, really. Oh, I didn't, I didn't ride all that way. Oh, no, because see, no. because this episode is partly about Ultima 4, I thought maybe mm-hmm. you got a moon gate there. Uh, oh, no. no. Okay. No, nice, nice try though, but no. I was just trying to, trying to angle it in, you know? Mm. Yes. And then you went on to post uh, something else and yes. I posted something else and, and so on and so forth. But um, the thing I liked about it is that one of the things that I've found about getting older that's what you're doing, not what I'm doing. Yes. Is that the kind of things that happen to your body uh, change in their significance as you age. And it reminded me of this, and I just want to share this with you because I remember uh, enjoying this so much when I first came across it. Okay. Childhood injuries. Fell off my bike. Fell out of a tree. Twisted my ankle. Adult injuries. Slept wrong. <laughs> sat down too long. <laughs> Sneezed too hard. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. Yeah, there's that. There's that. There is that. Although, yeah. in my own defense, my prep was that I was bathing my... Uh, I had an ingrown toenail operation on Thursday. Ooh. And I was bathing it. You have to bathe it in Epsom salts for some reason. Probably so they can sell you Epsom salts. Um, but that, I think, is because I've been running. And I guess when I was a kid, if I was running, I may not have got an ingrown toenail. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't due to age on its own. It was due to fitness. Ah. So that's something. Ooh, oh, that's a nice thing. Yeah. But the best thing about having an ingrown toenail is that I don't, I don't have to go to the gym for like two weeks. Hey. Yeah. Beer and chips on the couch. Yeah, I reckon. That's the way. Absolutely. Computer games. Yeah. Computer games, yeah. lots of undies. Oh, except two kids. Oh. Uh, hey, you should make sure that you're playing Hyper Olympics. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, that kind of makes up for it, right? Yeah, that's true. Did you ever play that, like the arcade one, especially? Uh, not so much the arcade arcade one because I didn't spend heaps of time in arcades. That's a lie. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> we did have Winter Olympics and Hyper Olympics on the Atari. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. I'm just um, actually I'm surprised that uh, like Summer Olympics especially mm-hmm. was a pretty big game for the Atari, and I, know, I think it was on everything. Mm. But I'm surprised that that hasn't made it into a podcast. 
Yeah. It was one of those ones we would have played. Yeah. I guess. I have a funny feeling we talked about it in the past because there were certain techniques with joysticks that you could use to uh, run along the track. Uh, yeah. My favorite one, which I can attribute to the uh, quick shot too, was to... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, man. You know, just look, here's what I want to say about the quick shot too. Just never mention that again. <laughs> oh boy, have I got a treat for you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. I don't know. Uh, if you've been following along you might understand that, that we were poor growing up and we couldn't afford things like quick shot too but apparently bob had them coming out of his ass right <laughs> uh, anyway the trick to playing hyper olympics with the quick shot too was to hold the joystick upside down and hold it by the base and then waggle the joystick backwards and forwards super easy instead of the stock atari joysticks where you'd have to kind of hold them and like move your hand backwards and forwards across them so much harder yeah yeah wow oh you mean sort of like when you're drunk and you need a wee and you can't be bothered holding it you just sort of stand there and wiggle just like that eh? exactly like that eh? no a. no no but i can see where you're going there maybe yeah can you i can see why was... they would call you quick shot <laughs> <laughs> fuck you man <laughs> look that's enough um now i was going to say because i i mostly apart from my atari i played in the arcades and ended up working in them um but uh, i played so i played hyper olympics a lot and i had this technique where you know some guys would use a coin they'd run a coin over the button oh yeah um side to side and but i had this technique where you tense your your sort of forearm up so much that your hand kind of just vibrates a little bit and you'd kind of angle that over the button you'd do it with both hands because there's two running buttons in the arcade and there was the jump yes. and you just i don't know if you can hear but this is me doing it you ready can you hear that did you hear it uh yeah you know, it, it was bloody fast but it left you with bloody bloody sore arms <laughs> Uh, now the so, upshot of that is I don't I don't <laughs> I don't know whose technique is more embarrassing. <laughs> well, I don't know. I suspect yours was probably in line with being a a, a young adolescent male. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't the willy waggler. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, there we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's all we have time for today. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay, so that's not even in any of our rundowns. You know, we type up a little rundown, but um, there you go. We finally, we managed to get Summer Olympics in, and I think that's valid, but mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. where to next? So this episode is part two of a two-parter titled Interesting Games. So these are games that uh, are or were interesting to us, but they didn't really fit into earlier episodes. Uh, earlier episodes were based on genres. We had uh, flying games, platform games, driving games, etc. Um, so uh, tonight we're covering Ultima 4, Theatre Europe, Archon, and Drelbs. Mm, yes. And uh, the yes. Drelbs is a high school challenge. Yes, it is. Partly because we didn't think of one, and we had to think at the last minute of one, and we thought Drelbs, even though I don't even know if I can really, if I could remember it, but I think it's a good one. Yep. Yeah, I... Um, uh, I have uh, many thoughts about Drelbs now, so great. Yes, it's been it's been good. Yeah, cool. Mm. And I wanted to, as yeah. a personal challenge for me, uh, I wanted to try and complete Ultima Four. Mm. So because because I never did that, and I played it, in kind of two generations, I played it on the Atari, on the eight bit, and I played it on the ST. Yeah. And I played it actually on the PC, and 
never beaten it before. So at the end of this one, let's find out. Oh, I cannot wait. Neither. That's going to be good. We want to give a shout out to our friends and followers on Twitter and encourage people to follow us at XLXE Podcast. Um, we want to thank Steph Animal for her amazing intro and outro music that's um, served this show really well. And this, which is our second to last episode ever. It is. It is. Yeah. So uh, with that in mind, what are you drinking tonight, Bob Brown? Uh, I'm drinking a coffee, but last night I had a bit of a board games and beer night, uh, which was all very nice. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, drank a few beers, including a hazy pale ale from a local brewery here called Ark Brewing, which is based in uh, Waitati, which is just north of Dunedin. Uh, the guy Jono out there is an excellent brewer and an all-round nice guy. Uh, it was really nice to uh, be able to have a rigor of that and share it amongst people while we talked bullshit over games. Yay! Um, hmm. I'm coming down in August, so I'll look forward to experiencing whatever you've experienced in the way of beer. Oh yeah, we should totally do something. Yeah. Um, I'm drinking a cup of tea, as is my want. Um, nice. I had a couple of low carbs last night, and, and also I had a bit of red wine, a Pinot Noir, uh, that I... Makes me sound posh, doesn't it? I don't know anything about wine, but my wife said it was a Pinot Noir, and it wasn't bad. Like it didn't taste like shit. So there's mm-hmm. that. Um, but we had our um, fifth wedding anniversary last weekend, so we had lots of espresso martinis, which might be my new drink. Although I can't really afford it, but they're bloody yummy those things. Cripes! Oh Jesus! So, did you say espresso martinis? Yeah, yeah. So they have espresso coffee or something? Yeah. No? And they're really? sweet. Yeah, they're just they're, they're everything you could want in a coffee. Well, alcohol, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> and you just get these in the coffee machine at work? Uh, well, that's what I'm lobbying for now. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, a sweet espresso martini at 10 a.m. in the morning. That'd be, that'd get me going, wouldn't it? Um, it would get you going. Yeah. Espresso martinis for everyone. For everyone, but mostly me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, have you uh, bought anything recently? Have you, have you, picked up anything since we last talked nothing major uh i have been on the prowl i do have a couple of things on my watch list at the moment i have a um oh what have i got i've got i think i've got a atari 130xe system on my watch list which is due to close in a few days um just out of interest i also have a 1050 drive which is allegedly in working order although it hasn't been tested uh it's been tested in so far as when it powers on the heads seek backwards and forward and the light goes on and the motor spins yeah um it comes with a uh with an sio cable as well which is um they seem to be quite rare and quite expensive to buy brand new but there's a number of people making them with 3d printers oh, yeah so uh, making, we'll see how that goes a, making a cable or a... uh yeah the there's that guy uh the lotharic.pl site oh, yeah. um he sells he sells sio cables but he also sells the uh, 3d printed oh no they're not 3d printed they're uh, plastic mold injection oh yeah um sio cable ends so that you can make up your own cables if you want to oh got you yeah but i seem to remember as a kid you know we would always have these cables kind of hanging around and it's like oh there's there's just another one oh throw that in the box kind of thing yeah, it seemed yeah. to be really common and now yeah um just got none at all it's funny because you never throw that stuff away do you but yeah somehow it, it like has generations and and maybe you hold two generations of drawers full of cables at a time or something mm-hmm. and then after that they're gone like all my Atari stuff is all you know from then is all gone yeah, yeah but yeah. i've got loads of ps2 mice and that sort of shit oh right yeah 
Yeah. That's pretty cool. You should hold on to those. Yeah? Yep, forever. <laughs> I'm going to throw them out now. Because maybe maybe one day they'll be worth something. <laughs> they'll be worth something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know those um, those PS2 mice? Well, specifically not PS2 mice, but mice with mouse balls. Oh, yep. I remember walking into Dick Smith, which is a, um, a now gone um, high street uh, retail store that would sell computer stuff. Um, they actually started out selling electronic stuff back in the day. So you could go in there and buy transistors and diodes and LEDs and switches and stuff. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Um, but they, uh, a little bit like uh, J-Car um, are now, I guess. Um, but anyway, they moved on to um, just do kind of consumer brand stuff. So, you know, Bluetooth uh, speakers and, and so on. But I remember back in the day walking into Dick Smith and you could buy a bag of mouse balls. Oh, wow. In a little sealed plastic bag. Yeah. For about $10, you could buy five mouse balls. Wow, that's cool. Eh? <laughs> they were funny mouse balls because cool. they didn't, they felt like they were bouncy balls, but they didn't bounce, eh? Like they had no, 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 they would go straight through windows. <laughs> <laughs> and do you remember like on your, on your um, Atari ST mouse and you get that, that sort of track of dirt along each of the rollers and every so often you'd have to scrape oh, yeah. it off? Yeah, yeah. Uh, God knows what that was. Probably skin and shit, eh? Oh. Uh, probably. Yeah, a bit of, bit of dried sweat in there. Yeah. Oh, crap. Yep. Thank God it was before Paul, Probably eh? leftovers from playing Hyper Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> playing Hyper Olympics with a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> left click, right click, left click, right click. Oh, it'd be terrible. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, oh, yeah, cool. Have you bought anything else? Yeah. Uh, thank you for asking, Adam. I have. Uh, oh, really? I've actually just bought... <laughs> What's that then? I've actually... Just bought a quick shot tube joystick. Really? <laughs> I really have. That's just great. I really have. Did you know? Yeah, it is, the... it is great. <laughs> Did you know? Yeah. Um, I just bought it for 21 uh, New Zealand dollars. Wow. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to get it in my hot hands by next recording. Do you know what I did? What's that? I tried to buy it. <laughs> just, it was like <laughs> 10 seconds left. And uh, Bob and I were both watching this auction. He's, you know, him at his house and me and mine. And and, uh, and I tried to buy it, but it said I had to put my shipping option in, and that's what made me miss out. Mm. I was just going to stick an extra dollar on it just to go, nah, man. <laughs> but but yet again, yet again. Uh, what, did I win that game? I failed to <laughs> I failed to have a quick mm. shot, uh, and Bob has it. Uh, but I have to say that this one is described on the auction site as an Amiga quick shot joystick. Hey, hey, hey. So, what? That's what? enough from you. There's a, there's a number of things in that. I, I mean, in the end, I'm glad I don't have it. Because <laughs> I'd prefer an Atari one. Uh, I'm we, sure can I... leave, we can leave it there if you like. <laughs> uh, fine, let's leave it there. Fine. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, should I tell you what I've bought and got and found and stuff? Uh, yes. Tell us what you got. Okay, so the first thing I've got is uh, from you. Oh, and, uh, is that is that the order that you made with the the Raiharda Raiharda the the Welsh town shop? Yes, 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 it is. It absolutely is. Oh yeah, cool. And so uh, Bob sent me a lovely uh, Atari eight bit mouse pad, yeah. which is really perversely meta. Yeah, <laughs> it is. A, hey, it is. It's an and it's an old style mouse pad. It's like one of the proper foam ones. It's not a thin bit of plastic, eh? Yeah, one so that it's... one that needs balls. <laughs> it's it's too many levels of meta for me, but I do like it. So it's got a it's a mouse pad, but it's an old style one with a picture of an eight hundred XL. So it doesn't quite know where it is. It could sort of appear any time in time or space. Yeah. 
yeah, that's and right. be perverse for some reason. But it's cool. And uh, he also sent me two badges, a Blue Max one and a Bruce Lee one. Hooray. So thank you for that. That's awesome. Uh, and what did you get? Did you or did you just buy me presents? Uh, no, I bought me presents too. So I got I got kind of um, well as as you well know, Adam. Yes. Uh, you are the XL. I am the XE. Mm. So you got the 800 XL uh, mouse pad. I got the 130 XE mouse pad. Oh. Um, and I also kept. Uh, I also got two badges. I got a Goonies badge. Oh, cool. And a little Atari badge. Oh. And do you wear them on your lapel? Uh, not allowed to. Linda oh, really? says I'm not allowed to leave the house wearing them. Oh, that's so it's sad. Too embarrassing. Also, does yes. she really, or are you just <laughs> scared? Uh, actually, I, I actually wear them on the front of my underpants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't want to get beaten up by the Commodore kids, eh? <laughs> yes, that's right. Now that you've got a, an Amiga Quick Shot joystick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so I got that stuff. Uh, I also finally got my 2600 that Bob's been looking after. Yay! For six cool. So. Have you had Yay. a chance to plug it in? No. Hooray! But, um, the cool thing about it is that, that it, it comes with a sticker on the front that says Atari and it says the world's most popular home video game. It's not a video game, it's a video game console, but there you go. Uh-huh. Uh, and the sticker fell off. It must have been like one of those dried, you know, like. Years oh, yeah. and years and years, and it's dried out. Yeah, yeah. And underneath, guess what it says? What does it say? It says Pac-Man cartridge included. <laughs> so clearly, clearly not in New Zealand. Ah, what is Pac-Man? What even is Pac-Man? Well, I don't know because it didn't come with it. Um, actually, I think I, I do have Pac-Man somewhere. But I thought, well, that's kind of stingy because a lot of these things were um, assembled here. You know, they got all the parts and bits and pieces and assembled them locally <laughs> and just would have priced it to say, well, nah, you can pay for that, I guess. If you really want it. Um, what else have I got? I've backed Darren Doyle's unofficial Atari visual history that I'm quite excited about seeing. Oh, yes, I have um, too. Later in the year. I've also backed uh, an Ultima-style game called Nox Archaist that looks fun and interesting. And um, I mean, you played a bit of Ultima, not nearly as much as me, but um, the thing I was most excited about seeing in the video was that it has sort of area f- effects. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you could send off a magic missile and it doesn't just affect the tile that you send it to, the target. It affects, you know, it blows up things around it, which might not sound amazing to a lot of people, but but from an 8-bit point of view, that's pretty cool that you could damage stuff around the place where you're sending mm-hmm. stuff. Um, what else? One more thing. I've finally started bleaching my Atari 800XL. That was also from you. It's the one that didn't work, but I'm quite keen on it for a case. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, it's the middle of winter here, so there's not vast amounts of hot sun. But um, I've just been sort of leaving it outside, mm. you know, when it's calm and yes. vaguely sunny to see if that does anything. I'm, I don't I don't have any great expectations, but mm. see how it goes. I do have news for you on that front, Adam. You'll be pleased to know that we are one week away from the shortest day of the year. So from then on, the days will start to get longer. Yay. Hurrah. What does that mean? Uh, it means more bleaching for you. Oh, good. Yeah. Mm. I've, I've been trying to think of a way to work in... Uh, like I was going to say something like I'm pretty anal about bleaching, just so I can get anal bleaching in, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I couldn't make it work. So um, yeah. I'm not going to say anything about that. Yeah, I think it's best that you don't mention anal bleaching. No. And then the last thing that I've got on my list of uh, cool new old shit that we have got our hands on is mm-hmm. it says quick shot with an exclamation mark because I thought I had a quick shot, but no, didn't fill it in in time. Uh yes, yes. Yes. Well, don't yes. worry. When you come um, down, when you come down, you can have a look at my one. And um, but yeah, I'll be the one using it though. Yeah. Can I can I watch you play something? Nah, too poor. 
Can I watch you play something on your Amiga? (laughs) (laughs) On my Amiga Quick Shot (laughs) 2. Yeah. Yeah. I did did, uh, this week not bid on two Quick Shot 2 turbos. You know the red and black ones? Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, they went for thirty-five New Zealand dollars. Oh, yeah. And I could have, but I did not. Yep. Yes. So that's me. And um, crops. If you think back, and we'll go into this in the next episode. If you think back about how far we've come in terms of the stuff we've got from when we started this thing. Yeah. Pretty much start a shop now, I reckon. Yeah, pretty much. Let's talk about our first game. The first game we're going to talk about tonight is a game called Archon. Archon is by Freefall Associates and it was published by Electronic Arts in 1983. Uh, It's an awesome two-player game. Uh, You can also play against the CPU, but playing against the CPU was virtually impossible. The CPU doesn't have any... Uh, randomization in it I guess to make it a little bit easier um, it's pretty much uh, I don't know it's it's almost an impossible demo of a game uh, it's got great sounds and it's got really good character sprites for the age of the game and it played out on a chessboard but it didn't use the standard chess movements uh, instead when you moved one piece onto another it would then take you into uh, kind of a battle arena where you would then use the two characters to fight each other uh, the characters had different abilities depending on what they were. So you had low-level abilities like the ability to whack with a stick, and you had other characters that had uh, projectile or uh, area effect kind of abilities. I have a nice list of the characters here, which I'll just quickly run through: Wizard versus Sorceress, Unicorn versus Basilisk, Ooh. Archer versus Manticore such a cool name yeah uh, golem versus troll valkyrie versus banshee uh, genie versus shapeshifter phoenix versus dragon knights versus goblins so that's the lineup of the characters that you have wow they're really well thought through eh? yeah they really are and you know one of the things that happens a lot in um, atari games especially is that there's a lot left to the imagination yeah and for me archon really plays on that you know when i went back and looked at it and tried to reconcile my memories of the game with what I was actually seeing. I I was kind of surprised that it looked so crappy, but a lot of what you play uh, back in the day is based on what you see and what you are told about the game. Yeah, yeah, and you'd, like we've talked about this before with things like Bruce Lee, you'd you'd buy in, wouldn't you? You'd buy into the mythology, the mythos and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. um, So what do you remember about playing it back then? Uh, what I remember about playing it, uh, like I said, playing against the CPU was virtually impossible. It was a great two-player game. Awesome to just pick up the joystick and play against a friend. Yeah. The very, very best way to play it. Yeah. Um, there wasn't really much uh, in it in terms of strategy. It was pretty much just a beat-em-up kind of game um, set on a chessboard. I, I loved it back in the day, and I, I, I didn't remember it being as hard as, as it is, mm-hmm. you know, since I've tried it recently. Yeah. I didn't rem- remember that, which doesn't mean to say I was great at it back in the day. I'm sure I got thumped, mm. just like I did now, but um, mm-hmm. shit, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. Far out. Yeah. It's just completely unforgiving, eh? Like, you can imagine sneaking through if you really practiced heaps and really knew every character and how they wanted to move and all that sort of stuff, but mm. 
too much for me. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was interesting to see that uh, Orson Scott Card reviewed this game for Compute 1983, and he reviewed it along with uh, Mule, the Atari game, and oh, yeah. Worms, which, I, which I'd never actually heard of. I have to look that one up. Um, and he claimed, they are original, they do what they set out to do very, very well, they allow the player to take part in the creativity, and they do things that only computers can do. Well, that's cool. It is. It is an original game. Yeah. Uh, even even now, if you think about it, can't really think of anything quite like it, eh? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So similar games that we've listed, uh, I'd put Battle Chess, mm-hmm. which came later, which I was excited about until I played and realised actually it's just chess with some death animations, eh? Yeah. Yeah. So um, even though it came out a lot later, I think it was on the ST and was better looking. Mm-hmm. It was, it's a shitter game than Arkham. I reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was interested to see that there was an Archon 2, and I went to crank it up, and I haven't been able to get it to run at all in my emulator. So I'm ah, boo. not sure if I ever had it back in the day, but I don't know. I wasn't surprised to see the name Archon 2, so that suggests that I had heard of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it must have done reasonably well then, if it got a sequel. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess it's, it's a bit of presumption. And we'd also put Speedball, well, I'd put Speedball with a question mark on our similar games list. And I think probably just for the arcade part of it, maybe, yeah, maybe not. Maybe that's a bit of a push. Um, mm, but yeah. also a good game. Yeah, mm. later on. Later, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but <sighs> what about now, though? Well, I can't, I'm desperately trying to think. Like, basically, it's a, it's a board game. Really basic board game. Yeah. Do we have too many of them. I mean, I guess, would it be like... Like card games, like Hearthstone and stuff now, maybe sort of without the arcade part. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, kind of like. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess you know, pitting different characters against each other. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a bit like Magic in that respect. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. So. yeah. Um, mm. But it got me thinking that um, you know I've always been interested in in um, alternative versions of games. And, and so that's why that was cool because when you load it up you thought oh it's a kind of chess you know and, and it's really kind of I guess in one sense almost kind of is but actually it's not it's it's almost designed to look like chess but be mm. amazing in every way um, yeah and do you remember I came up with that game about a year ago called Marginal that I called Marginal oh yeah and, yeah. and I realised that that comes back from all those games like Archon that I played and trying to trying to wriggle a game that I knew into something new and different. So Marginal is basically chess, except that it starts out like Norse and Crosses, uh, where you, you, know, you each put a piece down, put another piece, put another piece, and whoever has the longest line of pieces, regardless of their status, starts the game of chess from where all the pieces lie once everyone's used all their pieces. Mm. Um, and that was, yeah, that was an attempt by me to mess with chess, um, probably in a way infinitely inferior to the way Archon did I think. <laughs> something like that yeah do you have any any final thoughts about Archon uh, no I don't think so I think we pretty much just touched on them really um, yeah we do remember it though yeah. like it, it was there was no risk of it missing the list no 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 and I think I think it's charm is that it even though it looks like a strategy game it's very much just an arcade game yeah yeah, be interesting if you had the time and the inclination to really dig into it and see how much gameplay weight is in the sort of posturing of where you put your pieces and how much is in just it's just arcade stuff at the end of the day. Yeah, 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 I agree. 
yeah, meet up and have a fight. Um, that brings us to Theatre Europe. Bob, I don't think you played this much, did you? No, I think I had it in my collection because uh, yep. I do remember cranking it up and playing around with setting orders and uh, things like that, but um, never really kind of got into it. Yeah, and I'm not sure why I did. Well, actually, I do have a theory as to why I did, but um, it's it's definitely one that I remember uh, deeply in a way because um, um, I've put here that in terms of history, um, it's a it's a thing of its time, you know. And we we talk about the Cold War now and. God, most people don't even really probably know what the Cold War was, but it was pretty significant, and that was kind of the peak of it. It was the mid-80s. Um, mm. It all fell over in 89, was it, with, with the Soviet Union falling over? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was Reagan and Thatcher, and it was... What was on at the time? There was... Uh, do you remember When the Wind Blows? The Raymond Briggs no. comic book? That was in our school library. It was like this cartoon about an old couple kind of waiting for the radiation to hit. Oh, um, I think I do remember that. Yeah, was it one where is... the sirens went off and they like crawled under the table and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, all this, then there's the yeah. big blast and then it faded out over a couple of pages. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I do remember that. And um, man, I I wouldn't have thought of that for like thirty years. No, that's a but. But wow. it was those were the times. Um, I've also put um, like the movie The Day After came out in '83. Threads, which was a BBC version, came out in '84, which is very similar to When the Wind Blows. You know, it's like common people dealing with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was a book called On the Beach that was written in the '50s, but it was it was it had a big resurgence. You know, when all this nuclear stuff was going on. Um, mm -hmm. So it was. It's it's hard to. I'm trying to I'm trying to explain the significance of this game for me anyway. So the upshot of it is that I was a 12 year old chucked into into that sort of world mm -hmm. you know where all that was going on where everything was about it's going to be a nuclear war you know it could happen in kind of any time you know um, there was also there was New Zealand's anti-nuclear stance from 84 onwards and there was nuclear <laughs> testing in the Pacific so it was really close to us yeah um, yeah, yeah yeah and I was 12 there was also... and I got that game yeah, yeah. Uh, there was also, not directly related to the Cold War, but um, there was also the Chernobyl disaster in 86. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, of course, HBO and Sky have just come out with their Chernobyl miniseries. Which apparently is very good. Mm. Yeah, I watched uh, the first episode of it the other night, and um, it really gives you an impression of what radiation does. Ooh, you know, effectively yeah. being an invisible fire. Uh, yeah. Quite terrifying, quite terrifying. Oh yeah, no, I may I may have to miss that one then. Um, <laughs> so anyway, this game, regardless of anything that it's actually like any of the gameplay stuff, it came out in '85. So in the middle of all this, Theatre Europe comes out. Uh, it was available for the 64, Spectrum, Atari 8 bits, of course, uh, and the Amstrad. Um, oh, I also wanted to say, you know, 12 year old me, my dad. I'm not going to talk much about my dad. <laughs> For some reason, he'd been talking to me about Nostradamus and about the end of the world and how it was all predicted and stuff. So, nice. of all this shit, I had a, a bullshitting father telling me about the end of the world. So, um, that's the mindset yeah. that I came to with this game. And yeah. that's probably why it's so significant to me, I think. And, you know, why, as far as I... No, it had to be on our list somewhere. Um, but you you didn't yeah, play it much. I, I did play it a lot. Um, yeah. Did did you ever get to the bit where you got to put in the nuclear codes? 
No, 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 not at all. Can you can you tell me a bit about the game? What was the kind of overview of how it kind of worked? Oh yeah, so it's basically a turn-based um, war strategy game set in you know around then um, yep. between NATO and the Warsaw Pact in Europe, in, right? Um, Western Europe. So um, yeah, on the left side you had NATO and and all their forces on the right side, um, yeah, and it was it was frontline stuff. So you had a line of your uh, units. The, a line of the Warsaw Pact units and a few extra special units. There was an airborne one, and they get you know they took turns. You got to move all your units, see what damage you could do. You got to resupply them. The other guy got to do the same. But the cool thing about it, or the scary thing about it, was that there was a code, and if you knew the code, um, you could apply to put the code in, and it was like you were logging into sort of a like a telex system. Oh, and if yes. you knew the code, you could put it in, and then that would give you access to chemical weapons and nuclear weapons. Ooh. Um, mm, which sounds cool now and everyone will go oh yeah that sounds awesome and be blowing each other up straight away because you know that's yeah, the yeah. sort of thing you do um, yeah. but then it was a big thing and I think not here mm. but like in the UK you had to ring a number there was a number and it was an answer phone and that would tell you the code like you were logging in you were ringing up some defence department of defence system oh you mean like for the actual game yeah oh yeah. <laughs> okay that's pretty cool and the code was Midnight Sun Ah. and I don't know how I knew it but I didn't know it when I first got the game and somehow I don't know probably the same way I got the game whoever that was um, yeah, yeah, we, yeah we all learned the code Midnight Sun yeah wow and then the other thing about this game was that uh, you could launch all the nukes you want you could uh, set a reflex system so if they fired at you you automatically fired back and destroyed everything um, mm-hmm. but the actual score was based on your leadership capability so if you destroyed the world you didn't get a very yep. high leadership capability. Ah, uh, like, yeah, right. You know, yep. It was like, slow collect, well done, you've killed everything, but I guess you won. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it actually rewarded you more for fighting with conventional weapons and units and winning uh, the yeah, win. I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah. That sounds pretty cool. I loved it. I was deeply obsessed briefly with yep. that game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And shit scared of it. <laughs> Shit's getting yeah. the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember all that nuclear stuff? Like, you, if I was 12, you would have been 10, 19? Uh, yeah, like, not so much. I mean, I do have a vague memory of Chernobyl at the time, but not really so much any uh, memory about, you know, the state of the world in terms of politics and Cold War and things like that. Mm. Um, I do remember uh, Reagan being president. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just a wee nipper, so. Yeah, no, fair mm. enough. So I must have been just over the... Just over the other side of that, and, mm, and yeah, yeah. probably a little bit too impressionable, and I don't know, <laughs> sensitive <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, similar games, uh, and there's been loads and loads and loads of them. And this wasn't a groundbreaker in terms of gameplay, except for the idea that you could put in code, put in a code, and launch nuclear weapons. Um, but Crusade in Europe, I played. I'm not sure. Did you play that as well? It was one of the no, microprose no. ones, I think. Um, like turn-based war games are kind of a dime a dozen um, and they were board game versions of them before and since um, but they led on to things like uh, I played Steel Panthers on PC um, and we used oh, to yeah, yeah. email a save file me and a friend of ours used to email a save file and it would get bigger like almost too big to email oh that's pretty must cool have, yeah it must have saved everything um, mm-hmm. yep. Advance Wars was a tricky fun little version on the Game Boy Advance Civilization I guess is turn-based Yep. Um, and then I guess the big board game would have been Axis and Allies around then and a bit after. Mm, yeah. 
you know, that play by email or play by sneaker net, it doesn't really matter how the save file gets there. It was quite a cool concept back in the day. There were a lot of games that kind of employed that. There was one that I remember on the PC, I think, uh, called Hide and Seek. Um, and the idea of that was that you were a team of uh, maybe four people on either side and there was a big playing field. And each of your team members had different abilities depending on uh, what terrain they were in. Yeah. So if they were running in, in, in the clear field, they could move a long distance, but they could also be seen from a long way. And the idea was that you would uh, you would set your moves and then email the file to somebody else and they would then play the file on, on their version. Oh, yeah. And so you had to try and catch the opposing team before they snuck past you and captured your flag, that kind of thing. Wow. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I remember Steel Panthers was, um, it wasn't supposed to be, you know, play by email game, um, but we we just knew what the save file was, like which file it was, so just pulled it out. Oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. But uh, yeah, yeah, I remember when the file got to like one point four megs, it was like, oh, you'll never be able to send that. You'd send it, you know, overnight on dial up or <laughs> something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool though. Um, but all yeah, my no, interest really... came from really theatre Europe for all those sorts of games. Mm-hmm. Mm. What do we got next? Uh, so next on our list, uh, we actually have a mystery sound. Ooh, excite. Yes. Uh, so, Adam, I'm going to send you this mystery sound. Okay. And um, you're going to do your best. And, um, you know, I'm not really looking for a result. I'm just looking for your best. Is it Drobes? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on, I'm going to choose another one. Yeah. I haven't sent it to you yet. Okay. I can't say anything about whether it's drugs or not. Okay, is it though? It's coming down the tubes. Alright. Oh. Oh. This is... Oh, shit. This is... Is this one man and his droid? No, it's oh. not. Would have been great if it was though, eh? It would have been awesome. Can we pretend it was one man and his droid? <laughs> no. What a great sound. I'm playing it again. It's a pretty good sound, eh? It's not... It's not Power Dome? No, it's not Power Dome. Oh. <clears throat> it's not a bloody Boulder Dash game, is it? Oh, no, but I can see why you might have thought that. It has got that kind of twinkling noise, right? Yep. Oh... I, I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to give it up. I know. I appreciate that we're running out of tape. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, what is it? Okay, okay. Uh, so, do you remember a game called Alley Cat? Oh no! Oh, I bloody hate Alley Cat. Was it, yeah. is it Alley Cat? So, yes, yes, yeah. So this is um, this is uh, Alley Cat was made up of a number of levels. You would have you would jump around on the washing line. And if you jumped through an open window, you would go inside one of the rooms where there were different levels. And this one that you're listening to in particular is you jump into the room and there's a room where there is a broom that's dusting the footprints off the ground. Oh, yeah. And you have to jump up onto the table where there's a fishbowl. And you swim around in the fishbowl, picking up the little fish. And then once you've picked up all the fish, you've completed that level and you get tossed out of the window again. Oh, that's great. I, I don't know why I hate this, but it's but I do. Remember the cheese level? We had to get the mouse out of the cheese. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my favourite one in there was the one where you go into the room and there's all the sleeping dogs. Oh, yeah. 
and oh, they've got God. bowls of milk and you have to go up to the bowls of milk and go lick 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 but yeah. as you do it if you look for too long the dogs kind of open their eyes and then <laughs> it was really cool oh dear the thing i hate i think is that it doesn't end well it feels like it doesn't end does it end yeah no i don't think it does i think what happens is you you complete kind of like a level and then you start again but the configuration of the 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 trash cans in front of the fence changes so it's more difficult for you to get up onto the clothes oh yeah yeah um and it's it's much easier to fall down off the clothes because there's not so many and so on and so forth yeah yeah oh good one that's a great sound yeah yeah hey i just wanted to point out something in particular about this uh this game um so uh bill williams was one of the uh contributors for alley cat and w another bill williams game is also salmon run Oh. And the thing that I picked from the sound is that the sound of swimming around in the goldfish bowl is exactly the same sound as what you hear when you're moving up and down the river in Salmon Run. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I get yeah. that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, good one. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I also noticed cool. there was a little bit of the um, uh, similar sound to, in Fire Chief, the acceleration of your car sound. That's the way it sort of goes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a little bit yeah. of that at the end of that sample. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, that was, a, that was a really good one. Um, yeah. Interesting that that game is kind of prolific. It was available for a lot of platforms, from what I remember, um, mm -hmm. but it was never a consideration for our podcast. Ah, uh, yeah, true. Hmm. But I'm yeah. pleased you did it for the sound. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Can I can I say that I got that right and pretend that it was one man and his droid? Um. So our next game is Drells. <laughs> 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 the next game we're going to talk about is Drells. Drelbs is, of course, our, our game for our high scores. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll get to that. But um, uh, first of all, I want to just go over uh, what it's kind of about and how it kind of works. So uh, Drelbs is a uh, a very fast-paced game. It's truly arcade. I think for me, if you were to say um, get out a game that typifies arcade, I'd probably get out either um, something like uh, traditional arcade, like Pac-Man or uh, Galaxian, uh, that kind of thing, or I would pick out Drelbs. Um, Drelbs was developed by a guy called Kelly Jones, who actually went on to do some work with Bill Williams as well. Uh, they did some work through, uh, they did some work and published under the Synapse brand. Oh, okay. Synapse That's Publishing House. Pretty prolific, eh? Hmm. Yeah, so Drelbs came out in 1983, uh, and it was pretty quickly ported to the Apple II and Commodore 64 by uh, some other people. Um, and later on, it was also ported to the Amiga, but the port to the Amiga was a pretty terrible port. Um, you should definitely go and, especially now that you've played the game, Adam, you should definitely go and look up the uh, Amiga Drelbs gameplay. Okay. And you'll go, what? It's pretty you, bad. You could use your Amiga Quickshot joystick playing that. Well, actually, that's why I got it. <laughs> <laughs> <Is> it? <laughs> yeah. Guaranteed to work with Drelbs on the Amiga yeah. only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. PS needed an Amiga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I think they've done a really good job of the graphics. Um, you know, sometimes we talk about they can kind of skimp on the graphics because the story is so good. But here I actually think that the graphics uh, really live up to the requirements of the story. It, it, it feels really, really well done. Yeah. Were you in love with the lady? Uh, the help lady? Yeah. Were you in love with her yeah. a little bit? Yeah, just, just, just a little bit. Just a tip? <laughs> <laughs> uh... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... Kelly Jones, in terms of a developer, 
couldn't really find too much stuff about what he'd done but he had produced another piece of software called relax which was kind of a biorhythm feedback game slash piece of software uh, i did crank it up in an emulator but i couldn't figure out anything about how it worked yeah i wondered if it was one of those things where i don't know maybe you needed some kind of external uh device like a I don't know, a heart monitor or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't find anything else where he'd had, um, you know, well-named input into the game. Oh, yeah. I think there's a bit of that sort of stuff, that biorhythm thing was a bit of a thing, and it might have all been quite spurious. Mm. Um, but I remember on like playing on something on the BBC Micro that had like a, an input for your finger. You put around your finger, and there was a, a thing that could tell something from a microphone... Ah, uh, yeah, right. It sounds yeah. like it was all probably bollocks, eh? Back it then. probably was. Yeah. 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 I think it was probably one of those things that it made you stop and control your breathing. And that in itself is just good at any time anyway. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things about Drelbs, which I really liked, is that the manual did actually spin a wonderful story. This is quite long, so bear with me, but it's definitely worth going through. This is page one of the Drelbs manual. Yeah. Once upon a time, there was a kingdom that was very small. It was so small, in fact, that no one larger than a flea ever gave it much thought. In this tiniest of places, there lived a race of peaceful, hippity-hoppity creatures called <laughs> Draubs. Ah! One day a shadow fell over this happy land. It was invaded by Trollobors, evil-looking gnomes of square stature, who, because they were also not very large, coveted this miniature land for their own. They came with screwhead tanks. <laughs> That's what that thing is that goes around the outside. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. To destroy the drabs and hunted drabs just for fun. Wow. Although the drabs were tiny, they weren't short on smarts. They led the trollobors to the, wait for it, atomic flip grid. Oh, no way! <laughs> yeah. In the center of the city, and there decided to make their stand. Wow. Your task, if you've got the courage of a friendly Drelb, is to defeat the Trollobors on the atomic flip grid. You must be fast and cunning to avoid the hunters and save the Drelbs from extinction. And above all, you must have heart. Happy blinking, Drelb lover. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. I, um, I almost fell off my seat when I read about the atomic flip grid. Yeah, yeah. I want one of those. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, that, that story kind of reminds me of... Um, do you remember in Grand Theft Auto, I think it was in Grand Theft Auto uh, Vice City, uh, there was the uh, mention of the Degenitron, the home video arcade system. This was a system that seemed very basic going by the description of it, but it had some games on it like, um, uh, these are these are um, games that are mentioned in the, in the game, in yeah. Grand Theft Auto itself, like Defender of the Faith, where you save the green dots with your fantastic flying red square. <laughs> Or Monkey's Paradise, where you swing from green dot to green dot with your red square monkey. Yeah. Oh, or awesome. Penetrator, where you smash the green dots deep inside the mysterious red square. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like the sound of it. Hey, did you play... Um, recently, there was a game, recently, in the last mm. two or three years, called Thomas Was Alone. Uh, no. Um, it wasn't trying to be ironic, but you were you know, a square or a little rectangle, and you met other ones. But the trick with it was that you would begin to empathize with these other shapes it was basically a puzzle platformer right um uh and yeah you would you would start empathizing with you know you'd meet a little square and it would have a wee story and you'd have to jump over some things together and <laughs> move on to the next thing but it was it was amazing what they pulled off with very little um, 
different approach to Grand Theft Auto, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that sounds cool. Hmm. So, tell me, you've played this a little bit, I hope. Yes. <laughs> How did you find the gameplay? Nuts. Absolutely nuts. And uh, amazing and original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah yep. well, how did you find it? Uh, I found it really manic. Yeah. Yeah, I found it... Um, uh, there's there's a lot going on in the game that, well, for me at least, really increases my stress levels. So uh, yeah. you kind of start it and there's things moving around and they move slowly. There's the background music as well. The background music slowly increases tempo as well based on how well you're uh... kind of doing and that yeah. I think is probably the biggest contributor to you know getting worried about it. Um, yeah. The death screen is nightmare inducing. You know. <laughs> 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 and the whole screen's just being covered in crap. I can see that it's a very simple and easy to do graphics and soundtrack, but it's very very effective. Yeah, it's like it's like the zombies getting you a. Eh? Mm. Yeah, yeah. There's some interesting mechanics going on in the game. So one in particular is that your Drelb character is a character that at any given time is either uh, stationary in one kind of uh, cell, I guess, if you like, or it's moving to the next cell. But it's never you can never be stopped halfway between. And so no. that makes it so that it's quite difficult to be very reactive. If you move left, you have to wait for your character to move to the cell to the left before you can move back again. So oh, okay. if yeah. you're trying to if you're trying to uh, trap one of the uh, what are they called trollables, yeah, that can make it very difficult and very stressful. Uh, also, in the dark corridor, the dark corridor is the name for the kind of second level of the game where you go through and free the drabs. Yeah. In the dark corridor, the here's another word, the gorgolites. So those are the the guys who are trying to shoot you. Mm. I don't know if you noticed, but they have an interesting uh, shooting mechanism. So they always shoot up or down. And then they always shoot left or right. They always shoot um, in your kind of direction, but you can use that to help with getting past them. Oh. And that's particularly important when you have uh, two of them on the screen. Yeah. Although it's pretty manic at that point. I did not know that, uh, which is amazing because I got a really good high score. <laughs> ah, ah, well, we'll get to that. We'll, yeah. we'll get to that. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Ah. Um, I don't know about you, but um, uh, I I couldn't actually get past the second round. The second round was 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 it for me, um, and I was surprised to find out that there were seven rounds in the game. And they're all different, are they? They're all different. They're named Sapphire, Ruby, Emerald, Topaz, Pyrido, whatever that is, uh, Agate, and Amethyst. Oh, okay. I mean, obviously, I know that because my score's so good, but you know <laughs> <laughs> yes. um i i don't really know where or what i was i know that things changed and suddenly I... the activity was different but i yeah yeah didn't but i quite liked that I, um yeah i i felt that i was i was learning by dying but that was cool because it was always it was fast enough that you were going again in 30 seconds you know yeah yeah yep yeah um, that's true and you and you would learn a little bit more each time you know about how the thing yeah. wanted to work and stuff like that yeah hmm yeah, I really liked it, but I don't think I need to play it ever again. It's one of those. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm done with it as well. Yeah, but it does sound like it's a bit of, like what Boulder Dash is for me. Drobs might be a bit of that for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it definitely, definitely, the, yeah, it makes my hair stand up on the back of my neck. Yeah, oh, you have to put a photo up of that so we can all see. Oh yes, I will. <laughs> I will. Oh, now I've said I will. I have to. I know. Yeah, because that's how these things work. Um, yeah. 
Although, aren't there things you were supposed to do from the last podcast, but you haven't done any of them? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to do them. I'll bloody well do them. I'll take the rubbish out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but first I've got to walk to the end of this corridor in mercenary. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or some other thing. Um, should yeah. we um, should we see who won our score challenge? Oh, yes, I think we probably should. Okay. Here comes me. Okay, I'm going to send you me now as well. Oh. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Hang on, I have to count my ones. How many ones have we? <laughs> oh, yeah. One, 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 D- one, did you, zero. Did you waste me? Is that right? Is that what happened there? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did. <laughs> I did, I did. Yeah. <laughs> How oh, did you get funny. all those ones in there? That's pretty good. Uh, so for the record, uh, Adam got... Uh, 11,110 and I got 11,110 and <laughs> yeah. then some more <laughs> so I got uh, 24,790 oh, yes, I, I couldn't be bothered with it to be honest really you know I thought fuck that'll do how many times do you reckon you played to get a high score I, maybe five. Oh, I had two sessions oh, okay, right. and I played the first time yeah the first session I would have played three or four times and really not got a handle on what the hell was going on and the second session I started to nail certain things, and it just felt like I got a long way in the second session. You know, you get to these kooky yeah, weird sure. stages, and I got to quite a few of those, and I thought, good enough, don't care. Um, but well done. So, yep. what was the experience of your game? Uh, in terms of what, just my yeah. general tactics and stuff? Uh, hold on, hold on for dear yeah. life, and um, um, yeah. I mean, you know, like we were just saying, it's a yeah. really intense yeah. game, eh? Yeah, so yeah, it was pretty much, I don't know, it, it certainly had my heart rate elevated and it was kind of like, hold on tight and, and see how it goes. Uh, I'm just looking back over some of the screenshots that I took of um, potential yeah. high scores and I've taken seven screenshots and of those seven screenshots, there's only one which is a lower potential <laughs> high score than yours. <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying? <laughs> so there was uh, uh, 7,940 yeah. and then the next one up from that was 40, uh, 1,400. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, 14,000, yeah. uh, 16,300, 16,980, um, and then 15,200, and then my high When one, you got the high score, whatever. did you think, crikey, we're yep. on here? Well, to be honest, oh, I think I was messaging you at the time, actually. I think you'd been out on the on the jars, and I'd been having some yep. jars at home, and I thought, oh, Drelb's got to get a high score on that, and I played it a few times then, and that was the night that I got my so, high score. So... You beat me. You more than doubled my score while you were texting me and mm. drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I wonder actually if being a little bit calmer from having a beer yeah. might have been the trick. Yeah, I'll take that. But, uh, yeah. Well, I only took one <laughs> screenshot and that's it. Yeah, but I, but yeah, I do yeah, like it yeah. and I think it's a good game. Yeah. Yes, yes, I agree. I agree. I'd, I'd certainly go back and play it yeah, again. I won't, but I'm pleased I played it again. Which brings us to Ultima 4, which is a sort of a headline game for this. Um, it's a bit of a funny headliner game because I played it an awful lot, a huge amount, and I'm not sure that was the case for you, was it? No, Ultima 4 for me was kind of like Theatre Europe. It was a game that I had in the disc box and I cranked it up, but it, it obviously didn't grab me as much as it grabbed you. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, because um, you've gone mad on it. Mad, M- mad more than once. I've gone mad... Well, playing it recently, it's probably like the fifth generation of playing it, something like that. You know, I've mm-hmm. 
I discovered it on my Atari and it came out in 85 and I guess I would have discovered it about then or a bit after. Um, mm-hmm. And like everything, or like like many of these games, we, we didn't own them. We didn't. They just came from places and we got them um, in little old New Zealand. And so I didn't know anything about it. It was one of those ones that, you know, you had to you had to go run over the whole keyboard to try and work out what everything did. And it, not only that, but it had uh, runes. So half the language... And if you wanted to learn spells and work stuff out, you had to try and work out what the runes were. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was deep, eh? It's the sort of game that really, Jesus, it really got into my bones, and it's still it's still there. But the thing of it is, um, it's it's basically a, a fantasy role playing game, and I'm sure everyone's come across some of Ultima um, over the years. It was 1985. Um, it began with uh, Richard Garriott in 1980. Actually, 79, but 80s when his first game had its sort of wider release it was called a color um and if you looked at a through to ultima one through to ultima four um you can see you know how he's built each time on them mm. the coolest thing about ultima four was that it made you want to be good at positive virtues you know you you could only beat the game it was called the quest of the avatar you could only beat it by becoming the avatar becoming good at um things like compassion and sacrifice and honesty and humility and all that sort of carry on now i never beat it back then but i played it all night so many times all night yeah, I would, yeah. it would be six o'clock in the morning and i would hear birds and in the crack of my curtains i would see the light <laughs> and i would play it over this my little 10 inch black and white tv and so i would sort of sit up you know because i've been crouched over it and hear my back sort of crack 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 as it straightened up yeah yeah um and i'm not blaming the game i'm blaming myself but i wouldn't be surprised if that's where my dodgy back <laughs> you know, 30 years later comes from yeah right right um, yeah because night after night especially around the weekend for a long time i would hunch over that little 10 inch black and yeah. white tv and plop 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 my way around britannia yeah right um right. Yeah, so I I loved it. You did you remember much about playing it? I know you didn't play it much. I've probably played and and even recently I've played it enough that um you know I kind of got the gist of it. And Linus, my son, actually uh, played it and he played it all afternoon and and really enjoyed it. And um, it was kind of weird because he is currently the age that I would have been when I was playing it back in the day. Oh, that's cool. So we kind of we kind of sat there and you know went through uh, you know answering all the questions uh, with the fortune teller at the start and then kind of exploring Britannia and trying to figure out how the, how the map works and all that um, and yeah it was it was quite cool we still have a unfinished um, kind of save game there that's uh, current that um, I'm sure he's keen to get back into at some point yeah yeah and what did you um, what what was he what was his class and all that sort of thing uh, I can't remember um, no yeah. I don't know no because you do all that stuff at the start where you have to you know you have to answer a question that would lead you more to be a compassionate character than a i don't know than as as an honest character i don't know that sort of thing you know it's all moral questions that you have to um answer and they sort of set you up i think i was a shepherd this time i started playing it yeah the guy who made it richard garriott and and if you're into this sort of stuff you, you know him well and i follow him on twitter and he's he's a genuinely amazing bloke i think who's who's from what i can see spent his life kind of being true to himself and he probably got a pretty good start his dad was an astronaut and all this sort of carry on oh wow so he was yeah and, and he's ended up going to space he's just he's one of those people that i don't know if, if you didn't have much self-confidence when you're growing up 
you may not follow the things you really liked, mm. but this guy clearly did. Yeah. You know, he's he's loved role playing games, so he started making them. He so he made a video game company so he could make them and and he sold that for probably quite a lot of money. Yeah. And he's made lots of other RPGs since. Um, and he's you know gone to space on the ISS as a as a astronaut. You know, just it's one of those people that's great to keep up with, see what they're doing because they're they're inspirational just by carrying on the way they carry on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Ultima Four was was his um, invention. And came up with the idea that well, maybe you don't need to play a game to hack and slash and kill everything. Maybe you could play a game to try and be a better person. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that was original then in '85. That was something that I don't think had really been seen. That you could, you know, you could win by being good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for me, it was hugely memorable, and and I still play it. So you've played you've played Ultima recently, of course. You've kind of cranked it up from fresh, yes, and kind of worked, worked your way through. Tell me, what are your what have you what are your thoughts on the game now versus what you remember as a kid? Yeah, I was really pretty keen to try and beat it this time. That was my big challenge, especially because you know in the last the last podcast episode I beat Mr. Stay Puft and Ghostbusters. That was a huge thing for me. Uh, did don't know if you heard about that. Uh, that's something <laughs> I managed to pull off there. Um, <laughs> also won the school challenge there. Don't know if you. Anyway, um, so I thought, well, you know, on the back of that, I thought, oh well, I'm going to finally beat Ultima Four. I'm going to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So I did start in. Now I made a mistake oh, yeah. uh, this time, right. which is not to give away or say whether I won or lost, or completed it or not. Uh-huh. But I read a tip, and I, and I don't go too much in for tips, but I read a tip that was, uh, you know, there's a blind lady in the game, yeah, and so you can go in. And she sells reagents, all the ingredients you need to make spells. You can go in and you can pay her whatever you want. So you can say, I want 99 black moss, say. Mm. And I'll pay her one gold coin. Yeah. You know, they might cost three each or something. And she just takes your money. But of course, that affects your honesty. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. But the tip that I read said, do it right at the start. You know, pretty much take all her stuff for bugger all money, and then you load it up with all the ingredients you need for your spells for ages. Yeah, and you can you can work your way back to being honest. So I did. I tried this. Oh yeah. Um, and and I had heaps of stuff, and I was making magic missiles and all sorts of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't seem to get better <laughs> at the honesty stat. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. You go and visit this fella in in um, Lord British's castle. I think his name was Hawkwind. Mm-hmm. And you go and see him and you just type in your honesty. And he basically said every time, no, you're shit, mate. You're still shit at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I thought, at the end of that, um, I just thought that I never beat Ultima 4 when I first played it. Mm. And maybe in a roundabout way, it's because I didn't deserve to. Because, I was, you know, it's the quest of the Avatar. You're supposed to be as good as you can. And oh, I copied yeah. the game. Yeah, sure, sure. So maybe that's the reason. <laughs> I, hundreds of flipping hours, you know. Mm. Um, and I might as well give it away that clearly I didn't beat it this time either. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe I didn't deserve to, again, you know, because I stole from this lady. Yeah. Did you say just before that you copied the game? Yes. Right. Okay. That's interesting because quite unrelated to that, I was watching a YouTube video today that was talking about copy protection. Yeah. And it was talking about some of the copy protection tricks and things that they would do to make it difficult for you to 
copy a game. Yeah. And so there's all the kind of hardware-based stuff where they have a you know bad sector that can't be duplicated and stuff. But ultimately, it's really easy for hackers to kind of get in there and just say, well, just bypass the check. Oh, yeah. And so then they would do the manual check. So, you know, enter Word 15 on page two. Yeah. And again, that's really easy to bypass. But the one that I saw... And it was for a dungeon crawler, whose name I can't remember right now, but it'll, it'll come to me later on, I'm sure, was that when you made a copy of the game, there was nothing that would stand out as preventing the game from running. Yeah. But the game would just play in odd ways. Oh, okay. So bugs would become apparent in the game as you progressed. Like, you couldn't activate a, a door, or maybe the, the the weapon that you threw would just, like, hover in the air and things like that and i thought that was a really interesting way to kind of trick the crackers into thinking that they'd actually cracked the game and copied it yeah um and apparently this uh, particular way of copy protecting the game lasted for a whole year until they figured out how to defeat it <laughs> that's cool yeah so i wonder if there's something going on there with, um, similar with ultima maybe yeah maybe uh, not not yeah. now because it's free it's actually free um, right, right. And also, let me say that I've been forgiven by Lord British himself. So thanks for that. Oh, right. Um, yeah, he will. He will forgive you um, if you. You can either send a self-addressed envelope um, and a stamp, and he will send you a letter back saying he forgives you, or he just said on Twitter, "Yeah, you're right." So that's cool. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, but I think uh, yeah, all up, I I don't deserve to be the avatar, and I'm not sure if I ever will complete it. Um, <laughs> I did play it a lot this time, yeah. and. I, I knew a lot from the past, so I, I sort of knew, you know, how to get a boat, and I knew how to get to the pirate base at Cove, and lots of the exploration stuff that I really got off on when I played it originally, you know, that I spent hours and hours doing. I knew all that. I knew where all the towns were, um, and I could go straight to them, because actually the world's quite small when you know where everything is. Right, right. But um, I'll tell you one thing, though. There are dungeons in it, and they absolutely made me shit my pants back in the day I'd oh, right. going into a dungeon because I was never prepared and if you die you get um, revived by Lord British at his castle but you lose so much stuff Oh, I see. Right. Uh, so I'd shit my pants going to these dungeons and you had to um, and that's that hangs over now when I was so when I was playing it you know a few weeks ago mm. still shit scared of the dungeons yeah right still right still didn't want to go into those dungeons am I right in thinking that in the dungeons there were like um, there was um chained up people and they were like kind of straining against the chains and stuff oh yes was, there, was well, there something like that where they're just kind of in the, oh, in, the in the corner and you kind of like ugh, kind of creepy no no maybe no maybe I'm thinking something no else. the dungeons were isometric and they were uh point of view oh, yeah, yeah. so you'd walk forwards and left and right and stuff but when you hit a mo- uh, like a spider or something it would turn into the top-down battle you know the um, turn-based battle oh thing. right okay so you've really got a kind of feeling of actually being in the dungeon itself yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. You'd, you'd really want to map it which of course back then we didn't have maps so you get lost really easily and you then you'd lose all your food and you'd you know, just die slowly oh yeah 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 but the thing about it was i mean it was a massive exploration game you know and this is decades before mm-hmm. open world games but this was one this um it didn't it loaded when you went into the towns but it didn't load in the in the world map right right um so you could kind of go everywhere and it and it really was a precursor to so much i mean pretty much all just about all fantasy role-playing computer games mm. just about all role-playing computer games um you know started with something like ultima mm. um, right up until you know, like Cyber, Cyberpunk 2077, which comes out next year, and we'll have 
uh, like moral decisions you'll have to make that'll affect gameplay. Mm-hmm. All that goes right back to Ultima 4. Um, possibly earlier, but, but Ultima 4 was the one where it really kicked in with choices affecting your likelihood of being able to complete the game by becoming the avatar and then facing off the bad guy. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I just wanted to mention just quickly some of the standouts that, you know, if I hadn't played Ultima 4, it's possible I wouldn't have played these, but maybe I would have. But anyway, I've just got a wee list of, um, like, from Ultima 4, I went to things like Dungeon Master and Ultima 7 and Diablo and Baldur's Gate and Oblivion and Fallout 3 and Skyrim and Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which was just great. Uh, and finally, The Witcher 3, which is possibly the best game of all time to my eye. Mm. Um, all of which go back to Ultima 4 for me. Wonderful. Mm. Yeah, right. Awesome. That's all. That's a really good <laughs> cover of Ultima 4. Thank you for that. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. And I'm, I'm pleased it came out and I'm pleased that I played it when I did, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, I didn't beat it then and I haven't beaten it now and I don't deserve to. <laughs> right, right. Next time, it will be the end. We're recording our final episode for this series next week. How does that make you feel, Adam? It makes you feel um, sad, but also happy. Yeah, it's going to be nice yeah. to nice to, nice to to get to the end and be able to look back. Uh, so we'll be looking back at uh, Xalaxy. We'll be looking back across the whole podcast series, looking at some of the games that kind of stood out for us, some of the moments that stood out. And I think one of the important things for me is that It'll be really neat to have a look at how Atari's actually influenced our lives and uh, have taken us to where we are today. Yeah, cool. We might even have a couple of awards to give out, Ooh. including our picks for the overall top Atari 8-bit game. Wow. Yeah, that could yeah. be... Well, it'd be amazing if each of our games wasn't one of the ones we talked about in the podcast, eh? Yeah, yeah, that'll be embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and I thought, yeah. I thought we could um, maybe also talk about the sort of games we play today might be quite fun yeah i think for me it'll be really interesting to look at the games i played today and then look at maybe some of the games i've played in the past that may have contributed towards my path on that front yeah yeah cool hey um what is our challenge for the final i think our challenge should be to complete a podcast series what do you think of that Woohoo! yeah that sounds great i'm in for that yep i reckon we can i reckon we could do it well let's catch up real soon and lay down one more fat track um, yeah, that sounds awesome. We are XLXC Podcast on Twitter. I'm Misfit Movies, and he is Guru Bob NZ. You can search for XLXC on your favorite podcast app. So join us next week for possibly the greatest finale ever. See you bye. Ta-ra.